Support for the Couples Council comes from Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Their purpose is to equip you with the right skills for a happy and healthy relationship. Services available in office or virtual. Schedule your consultations now. For more information, visit mercierwellness.com. Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Small steps, big changes. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Please consult a licensed professional for your mental health needs. Now Now on on with with the the show. show. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Couples Council. I'm your host, Dr. Jameson Mercier, the Love Mender. And as always, alongside me is my beautiful wife, Herdeen Mercier. Hey, hey. Hey, how you doing? I'm amazing. I'm super excited about today's interview. Now, like me, I always say this one's great, (laughs) and you always say how super excited you are. Now, why? I think this one it it shows so much about being a team and college love you know everything i love everything about love so um barry dr barry um pierre he really knew that she was going to be his wife so like all of that stuff coming so, together so you know you see you're jumping into the interview even before we get I told, started i told you i was excited okay. <laughs> No, no spoilers yet. Yeah. Like, I don't know where that is in the interview, but you're going to have to, y'all got to listen to the whole interview. Okay. But it is an awesome story of uh, Dr. Barry and his wife, Maria. Mm-hmm. Uh, just another couple who fits what we try to do here at the Couples Council. We're not even going to tease you. We're just going to turn it over to the interview we recorded with them. And you can see how they were able to come together to tackle a really difficult situation in their marriage. Dr. Barry Pierre, otherwise known as Dr. Barry, is a board-certified internal medicine physician. He is the founder of Pierre Medical Consulting, Inc., where the goal is health promotion, education, and bridging the technological knowledge gap. He is also residency program director and director of medical education. He hosts a weekly podcast called Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry and is a best-selling author and national speaker. Through his blogs, vlogs, and podcasts, he teaches the art of empowerment for patients all across the world. Mrs. Maria Davis-Pierre is the founder of Autism in Black. She is a licensed mental health counselor, coach, speaker, and advocate. After going through the process of getting her daughter diagnosed at 18 months, Maria changed her specialization and began working heavily in the autism community. In January of 2018, Maria launched her second private practice, Autism in Black, which aims to provide support to black parents who have a child on the spectrum through her educational and advocacy services. Autism in Black is dedicated to bringing awareness and acceptance to the autism spectrum disorder and reducing the stigma associated with ASD in the black community. Maria is a graduate from Florida State University with a bachelor's of science in sociology and went on to obtain a master's of science in mental health counseling from Nova Southeastern University. Welcome to the Couples Council, the Pierre family. Welcome to the Couples Council. We're so excited to have you all as guests. Um, 
and just share your story. Every story or every love story has its own angle, own experience, but you always have someone that you will um, possibly able to relate to your story. And so having you as a guest on our show, we want to highlight your love story and how we can benefit our listeners through your experiences. Yeah. So, so tell us, tell us about a little bit about you guys, um, how you met, where, where, what do you guys do? How long you've been married? How many kids do you have? You still, still like each other? (laughs) (laughs) Depending on the day. We were both in school at Florida State University uh, in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, We actually had a class together and uh, this was around, I believe, homecoming time. And for those who are familiar with uh, family homecomings, a pretty, pretty big event uh, in uh, Tallahassee. And I, I saw her and a group of her friends. And she saw a group of my friends as well. And I was like, you know what? Like, I think this could be the one, right? Wow. But you know, yeah, but you know, you got to play it smooth, right? So <laughs> I, I did the whole, let me get a number. Let me wait 48 hours before I call her. Mm-hmm. But trust me, I was... Uh, right, right when that forty-eight hour mark hit, I like, oh, let me call her. She, she, she should be ready to receive my phone call now. Nice, nice. And so, but what year was this? Two thousand and this is five. Yeah, oh five. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. Now thirteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, 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 so we we went on our first date, which was a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Uh, haunted house that uh, was getting around the time during homecoming, and you know we've pretty much been inseparable since. Mm. How long did you guys date? Um, we started dating that at the end of that October. Then he proposed that February of two thousand and six, but we didn't get married until um, March of two thousand and eight. So ten years. We've been married ten years. So October, November, December, oh. January. Oh, you know when when when, <laughs> at, when 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 I knew when you know something's right. Uh huh. There was really no. Why wait? Yeah. What what was I what was I waiting for? I you know I had already did the forty eight hour thing. Right? <laughs> wow. Okay. I like you, man. I like you. Oh my God, that was really good. Wow. Oh, he knew. I knew I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was a senior at, uh, at Florida State and I was getting ready to, uh, you know, make life change decisions on uh, where I was going to be going to medical school. Mm-hmm. And I realized any time I thought of a decision, uh, she was right there. So I couldn't even really make a decision unless I knew like this side over here was solidified. So I said mm-hmm. there was no point to no, no games to be played, really. Okay. And he he's, he was actually a year ahead of me at Florida State. So when he graduated, he was already in, um, got accepted into Howard Medical School. Mm-hmm. But I still had a year left at Florida State. Um, so he actually declined his um, acceptance to Howard University and got another bachelor's um, with me at Florida State. Wow. Good Lord have mercy. I got yeah, no, chills. No, so, so let me carry let me, let me <laughs> to, my, to my pre-meds out there. Please, um, when, I, when I look back at it, you know, was that the, 
Best decision, probably not. But you know, when you're in love, you know, you do you do, do some, some things. things. <laughs> you do some things for love. Wow. Now, Maria, how did that make you feel? Like he he could be potentially passing off on med school yeah. for a period of time to say. I believe in this love so much. Let me just go and get ahead and go and get me another the bachelor's degree. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, you know, I assured him that if he was to go to Howard, that, you know, we would just be in a long distance relationship mm-hmm. and it would be fine. Um, but I knew because he's brilliant that he wasn't going to have any struggle getting to, into any other medical school as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we made the decision together. I, you know, of course, you know, felt like a little, you know, pop of my collar, like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got to feeling myself a little bit, but, you know, I knew he was not going to have any trouble getting into any other medical school. And so, so you graduate, well, you Mm -hmm. both graduate with second bachelors and then you guys go where and then do what? We come down to South Florida because he was accepted into Nova's medical school. Okay. So we moved down to South Florida and he started medical school. I was working. um, And then I decided to um, start my master's in mental health counseling. um, I think what a year after we moved down here. So like 08. Okay. Okay. So see, 08, Mm -hmm. 07, 08. See, we would have been dancing around each other i always do this well if that's happening for them oh six oh seven what's happening for us mm-hmm. and we could have been passing each other on the interstate because yeah. we was bouncing around ourselves right here in south florida yeah okay. oh, and of course and i you know i had a little bit of advantage because I'm, I'm from south florida mm-hmm. uh, so it was definitely one of those things where you know i, I missed opportunity to go to dc for medical school but like now i'm back in south florida and i'm in medical school and i'm with my wife so I was able to kind of mm-hmm. get all get all those check marks done. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't his wife just yet. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and down here we were still dating, and mm-hmm. um, when he started medical school, um, I was I was then telling him, "Oh, I think you're you know you're not trying to marry me. We've been engaged two years. Um, you you know you are you just trying to keep me? You know, I said." Um, you want the, the cow. cow. What was that you phrase? don't want to buy the cow. Yeah. You just want you the milk. You just want the milk. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. And then he was like, well, we can get married tomorrow. And we actually got married on his spring break um, from medical school. Wow. Like literally? Literally. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, uh, the, 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 mar- the marriage was more of a formality. Yeah. We were already mentally. We stopped all the plans of the actual wedding. And we just went to the courthouse and got married. How soon after that conversation was the was the marriage, the wedding? It was he picked the date and said, "I'm off for this week in uh, for spring break, and that's when we're gonna do it." <laughs> so it was not even what a month, not mm-hmm. even a month. Wow! So did you have like a a big celebration after family and friends, or it was just the both of you going to the courthouse? Yes, the two of us going to the courthouse. Anytime we try to plan anything big. Um, we get a little frustrated with our actual family members. <laughs> yeah. so we just say, nah, nah, we're good. You know, she, she's stressing the we, but it's more one-sided. Um, <laughs> I get stressed. <laughs> wow. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, so you go on to med school, you graduate, you go and get your mental health, you said? You went to school for Yeah, my master's health. in mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
at this point, um, well, I guess if we fast forward, you're working in mental health mm-hmm. um, and you're practicing uh, in Palm Beach. Residency. Residency. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And is married life more or less still being governed by school, academic pursuits? No, because we weren't, we both were out of school at the time. I think at this point we were making decisions about children. Okay. Mm. Okay. All right. And now that's a big decision. Mm-hmm. What was that we, conversation like? We, we tried to, we definitely tried to do it systematically. We were like, okay, the, you know, the, the hard part, quote unquote, of school is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in residency now. Uh, so I'm making so many. Uh, so it's like, okay, I think we can. I think we can do the kid thing now. He mm. said, I think we can do the kid thing now. I was already ready in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, I need to finish med school. Um, you know, he was very, very thoughtful about the situation. And I look back at it now and I'm thankful that he was because it would have been a lot of struggle bringing in children, you know, while he was in medical school. Mm. So I am thankful that he actually was like, pulled the brakes on that. I was like, no, we need to wait. Okay. Yeah. Having the hindsight of just being able to see the commitment of being in medical school, doing your thing, like it's hours. I think mm-hmm. how many hours are they do during a week? As, it's uh, like 70 hours or 70, something? 70, 80 strong easily. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of the required work and you still got still to gotta study mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and I just I just knew myself I was so very one track minded I was like all right I just got to finish yeah. med school that I already knew like I'd be setting myself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Especially if you wanted to be an active father, mm-hmm. uh, Maria, you would have felt like a single mom. Yeah, happened before, yeah. but you didn't really you know you know what you know what you want, and at exactly. the end of it, that's what you want. Yeah, so I was like, and then you know there was a lot of pressure, you know from outside family members, friends. I remember one of my um, clients was like, um, Miss, can you not have kids? Because uh, <laughs> we had been married. And he was like, you know, you're supposed to have a kid after you get married. And, you know, by that time, we've already been married like one or two years. I'm like, I think I'm okay. I, 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 <laughs> but that, that client planted a seed that even had you yeah. question yourself and your yeah. ability. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, wow, you know, so it was a lot of pressure. And mm-hmm. even though, you know, uh, my family was like, you know, you're getting older. And, you know, I was just in my early 20s. 22. I'm like, God, there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, so then I was telling him, you know, we got to have these kids. <laughs> and, and it's so weird, especially, you know, in, in the, the my medical school years, which I, I say, I, I tell people I lost my 20s uh, because mm-hmm. essentially I was in school and residency throughout that whole time. And then, you know, you see friends and family who, you know, their life already started after 18, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. they, they've gotten their job, you know, they're on Facebook, they're posting baby pictures, they're posting vacation, and I'm posting, hey, I'm going to class again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, so you get, you get that time. life pause that happens during a, you know, time that's pretty prime for having kids and weddings and all that, uh, things where you know it, it it definitely is a difficult decision i have to push it and push it uh but you know, I, I, we de- I hopefully uh, we, we made the best decision at the time 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the time and the commitment that you had to put in for medical school. And my thing is, what did you all do to preserve your love and making sure that that was solid? I, I think a big thing for me was, uh, you know, coming home, because a lot of times, especially with medical school, you need something to decompress from, mm. right? Because if, if you allow it, uh, it can take over your life 100 percent of the time. Uh, so it was almost it was almost like my stress relief uh, to have someone to go home to and not have to talk about medicine, which is very difficult, right? When someone mm-hmm. wants to talk about your day and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about my day. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right, right. No, I definitely understand. Even mm-hmm. now, um, you know, I work with a district and then I go to the office three or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. When I am home, I do not want to hear about mental health. I do know. <laughs> You know, I don't I even, with you. You know, everyone is talking about this is us and this show. I said, no, that's, I just had that in my office. I do not want, <laughs> I don't want to now subject myself to that, mm-hmm. you know, so I can understand having a, a, a different, uh, something different to focus on or somebody different, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so uh, we with the bio you sent us, ultimately, eventually, you guys became parents, mm-hmm. right? Two thousand and twelve, we had um, our daughter Malia, mm. um, our first child. We made the decision prior to having children and going that, through the process that because his schedule as a physician is hectic, that I would always be the one to have the flexible schedule. So we made that decision as a team unit that he's going to always, you know, be the leader in regards to finances and making the money and doing that. And my schedule be the one that's flexible um, for our children because we wanted them to have the stability of seeing one constant parent if he Mm -hmm. couldn't be there as much due to his schedule. Yeah, I mean, which makes sense. I mean, as a physician... Um, you can't match his salary and you can't match the demands. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's actually quite, quite, quite smart. Um, Cause a lot of couples don't think like that. And mm-hmm. there are some wives who might even feel like they have to compete or else they'll be overshadowed by their the husband. profession. Of right, their spouse. right. So that was not an issue for you guys. No, I mean, when I would get invitations that said Dr. and Mrs. Pierre, then I would be feeling a little some kind of way. <laughs> you really could have put Mr. and Mrs. Pierre, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's the little things. <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't want to get a Christmas card saying Dr. and Mrs. Pierre. Pierre family is fine. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Do you, do you ever have an issue with that, babe? I, I, I don't ask. I, um, I don't know. I don't. I think because you're, because we're so relaxed around it that mm-hmm. sometimes I forget he even have a PhD. Yeah, mm-hmm. a PhD don't exist in the house. Yes, babe. Me and you are right on the same page. <laughs> I, 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 I come yeah. in and I have to kind of prove that, like, oh, you know, I, I know some medical stuff too. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. I'll call our pediatrician and really, he's like, you, yeah, you know, I went to med school. I'm like, yeah, wow, pediatrician. Wow. <laughs> Brother, I understand. I understand. You know, I mean, but I think you like that. But I never thought of it in as the car, but I think in sending out invitations. Mm-hmm. 
especially for me, knowing that it's a black man or a black woman with a PhD, I always want to honor that. And I don't think I want to disrespect the wife. I just know what it took for a black man. Yeah, not, not even to, just the wife, the person without the doctor yes, title, you know? Yes, Not to minimize the other spouse, but just to celebrate. I see you. Celebrate the other. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see you. Yeah, we do try and be careful to get it right, though. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we try like, because you never know how people feel about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. so you're, you guys have, uh, your daughter Malia, you guys are home. Now I understand that there was some challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about that. Um, Malia is autistic. She is on the autism spectrum. Okay. Um, at about six months, I noticed, um, some regression, some signs, some red flags. And I went to Barry and I said, I think Malia is autistic. Oh, just and like that? Just like that. Mm-hmm. I went right to him. He, and he said, quit trying to diagnose my child. Right. Save that for your clients. Because like when, for, from a, and this is me, the clinical side, right? Mm-hmm. You usually don't diagnose kids until they're like two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, here's someone telling and me. Maria, and Maria, you know that too, Maria. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's someone at six months saying, oh, your, your, your child's autistic. I'm like, uh, first of all, don't talk about my child like that, right? I know. <laughs> and then, and it's more of like a disbelief, not necessarily like discredit, but like no, like no, no denial, no. denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was in, he was in a big denial. And then um, I said, you know what? Okay, Barry, I'll give it some more time because, like you said, being in our profession, we know that you know typical age at that time was between three to five of children getting diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know early intervention matters and that as clinicians, we can see signs earlier than those who are not clinicians. Right. And the conversation so, at that point would be more like rule outs. Yes. So at um, 11 months, she started to regress in her speech. She started to forget all the words she knew. Mm-hmm. And that, at that point, I was like, OK, yeah, I, I know what this is. And Barry, you can stay in your feelings, but I'm moving forward. You know, and he was basically like, well, do what you got to do, but I don't believe it type of thing. Okay. So I went to our pediatrician, spoke to her. She also was agreeing with Barry. And I told her, look, I just need to know who can give me the diagnosis. And if that's not you, give me who it is. And I'm going to go talk to them. Mm. And then we met with, I'm sure you're familiar with um, Early Steps. Mm-hmm. We went and had yeah. her um, evaluated with them. And they confirmed what I said. They're like, yes, we do believe she is autistic, but because she's not three, we don't want to give her the diagnosis. So at this time, she's just one. They said, go to a neurologist and he will um, give her the diagnosis. And we went to a child neurologist. Um, He did all the rule outs, all the testing, DNA testing, um, brain scans. And he also said, yes, she is autistic. But because she's not three, I don't want to give her the diagnosis. And at that point, I was just fed up because as a clinician, I know how important early intervention is. And if Mm -hmm. she's one, you want me to wait. She's one and a half. You want me to wait another year and a half before we can even make any moves, you know? So I was just fed up at that point. And I told him, "You you can say that, but I'll be here in your office every day, bringing you breakfast, bringing you lunch. We'll sit here and have some talk, some talk time until you give me the diagnosis. I'll see you every day. You'll see me. I have nothing but time on my hands. 
Wow. And he <laughs> took him a little while, but he finally saw I was serious and he gave me that diagnosis. So you went in to the office and me just and sat secretary. there. Me and his secretary got real close. Real close. <laughs> wow. Wow. And I so Barry, in, in in first you're like, yeah, I don't, you know, what is she talking about? Yeah. And and to now hearing that now she's sitting in the doctor's office. Right. What are you thinking at this point about your lovely wife? Well, 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 even 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 before that, right? Mm-hmm. Because you make it sound very diplomatic how you guys kind of disagreed okay. over, mm-hmm. from that initial six month and then mm-hmm. to the six months and then there's another. Uh, he said, wait, right. I'm, I'm sure there were some interesting conversations. Sure. I, I think what, what tended to happen, especially in the beginning, uh, because again, I'm, because I'm so analytical, I'm like, what's your evidence? Like, what are you basing this on? And like, she's six months, like she's too early. And what would happen as time progressed and, you know, as I started being able to like, oh, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm starting to lean in. I'm starting to lean in, not fully, but I'm starting to lean in because I'm like, okay, maybe maybe she's got something here. There's something. Uh, yeah, because I'm starting to notice more and more uh, of a decrease in the cognitive abilities of my, my daughter. And then once, you know, once the neurologist, you know, did his testing and we essentially did the rule out, I was like, okay, all right, take, take the lead. It's all on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was oh. definitely a... Uh, I wouldn't say contentious because we, we tend to do, especially from professional, we, for some reason we know how to turn it on and turn off our professional. So we were more arguing in the professional sense, like the basis, ah. this evidence here, this evidence there. No, but that is your see. So we're going back and forth from mm-hmm. analytical and not necessarily a parents yeah. uh, type mm-hmm. thing because we're trying to take the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, so, and but that's one, one thing she, you know, she asked me for because I have no problem like, no, this is what needs to be done. And I'm talking to her from a clinical standpoint. So then the roles were reversed, right? Mm-hmm. Now she's talking to me from a clinical standpoint. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know any better. Uh, so she had to kind of pull me along, pull her family along. It was like, it was like a five, six against one. At oh, one wow. Wow. Really? But yeah, no, you no, see no, the power of a mother's instinct sometimes. Yeah. You yeah. just know. Mm-hmm. Wow. You said nobody what? Nobody was, nobody was agreeing with me. Nobody, everybody was. And, and it does have a lot to do with the stigma in the black community of mm-hmm. getting a diagnosis like that, you know, um, but they were all like, we're just going to pray about it. And I was like, you can pray about it. Pray, I get a good oh, pray, pray that we get these good interventions. Yeah. But she is autistic. And I basically set the boundaries and I let them know she is autistic. We're not going to treat her any differently, but you are going to acknowledge that she has this disorder. And I said, either you get on tr- on board or you get left behind. You won't see her. Now, Barry, I know that you're from the Haitian descent. How mm-hmm. did you, please, because we're Haitian. We know how the community operates and how they think. How do you go about telling your family that your daughter is autistic? What, what's, what's very interesting, I have my, actually, my, my nephew mm-hmm. is autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a little cousin who's also autistic. So it wasn't as if I was like uh, naive to just the, the diagnosis and the condition, I think I was more, like, like you said, in denial that it was happening to me as well. Mm. And, you know, it's especially because our, my nephew and my uh, cousin, they're, on a, they're further down the spectrum uh, than my daughter was. They're uh, higher needs. So, so I was seeing my daughter like, yeah, she's a little behind, but she's not as behind as my nephew and my cousin. So I, I just, it was very difficult for me to connect it to. 
Okay. Uh, but I think once, once again, once I think once she, you know, supplied enough evidence for me, right, and you know, was able to check off the boxes for me, I was like, yeah, you know what, it's your show. Like I'm just here. Like I'm like I, I was driving it to the neurologist's mm-hmm. office. I'm like, let's go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and he I lets hear- me take the lead on that. Um, he, but he's always going to support the decision. So I know that if I say, hey, I need backup, he's going to give me that backup. But he mm-hmm. lets me take the lead as far as you know what services she needs, what her IEP is going to look like, and things like that. And then I just communicate to him what's going on. Okay, good. So you operate in your strengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think that's, that's one thing I learned very quickly. Like we, when it's not my strength, I got to step back. Because uh, I was like, you know what? I, and, and it was more, I didn't want to stand in her way. Uh, but I was like, you know, I just don't understand. Like, what do you mean six months? Like I, and I, it was, you should see me the first couple of months, I was, I'm doing my reading. I'm like, no, they said you can't diagnose this until year two. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And, and and then once you know that year came around and neurologists essentially ruled out everything mm-hmm. boy did they rule out everything mm-hmm. um <laughs> it was like you know what she, she's the captain you know what send everything to her um no no point for talking to me because i'm gonna just ask her what, what she's saying anyways mm. and did you get that that they were def- deferring to you because you were the physician or was that okay yep. and 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 i think that's that's where i, I first learned uh, even as a physician, I was an internist, um, how much I didn't know, especially from the mental health side. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is, this, is a, this is a whole field that I wasn't even like aware was there. And still my, the pediatrician, neurologist, they would look to me and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I was like oh, I'm sorry, the, the audience can't see me, but I, I pointed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will say it's a, a lack of training across the board with our professionals when it comes to, to autism. And I think that is really, you know, was the crux of why they were, didn't want to give the diagnosis was because she was so young and because physicians have a tendency to want to be correct in a hundred percent. So because they, they, you know, she's so young and they, think it's that but they didn't want to you know give the diagnosis so they rather have not given her the diagnosis and waited you know so they could be sure than give her the diagnosis and be wrong right 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 all of this just highlights whether you're talking about medicine or or mental health just as much as we know Mm -hmm. we are very much limited in 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 this practice you know of mental health and medicine Mm -hmm. Wow, I, I I definitely agree, and uh, she and I've I've talked about this before how uh, she has been such an influence on me wanting to not only you know be more engaged in mental health discussion, uh, talk about it, learn about it as a physician because I realize like how much like I, I know a little bit like I, I say a little bit of mental health stuff now, and I know it it makes me stand out against most of my other physician friends and colleagues. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and I know for a fact what I know about mental health is very small versus what the, the professionals of mental health know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for good for you guys. Um and so you say you took the emotion out of it, but I imagine there had to have been some stress and some, you know, mm-hmm. some 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 emotional stuff, whether it was between you or just within you individually. Mm-hmm. How did you guys uh, work and sort that out? Sure, um, I, I think especially for me, when when you know you hear that diagnosis and you know you don't know much about it, 
you start thinking future tense, right? Like, okay, my daughter's autistic. What does that mean for her? Right? Like, what does that mean for her schooling? Like, what does that mean for her education? Like, how much will she know? What will she be like when she's an adult? So I'm, I start like future planning, especially when I hear that, that I'm like, all right, what, how is she going to be when she's 15, when she's 18, when she's 21, when she's 25? And it, the picture I initially had uh, for my daughter, right? Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the same picture when she gets older. I don't know what she's going to be able to do or not do. Uh, so now it's, I'm, it's almost like a cloud, right? Like, I know my, I know my daughter's going to be great. I know she's going to be doing good things when she grows up. I just don't know what those good things are. Yeah. So it, and because you don't know what those good things are, you, you can't even, you don't even know if you can help. Wow. Right. Like, I, yeah. I think for me, my issue was more so the services. Um, knowing that, you know, I'm what I call regular black and Barry is Haitian. <laughs> there that, is a that cultural is so aspect. I, I've, <laughs> I've not heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What is that? What does that rank? Regular black versus Haitian black? Because you know he's um Caribbean and people <laughs> automatically think that I'm Caribbean, Haitian, Jamaican. Uh-huh. So I have to tell them no, I'm just regular black. Wow. <laughs> regular black. <laughs> I like you. I like you guys. <laughs> I thought I liked you, Barry. I think I like your wife more. <laughs> so knowing that cultural aspect, these service providers are coming in and they're not taking our culture into consideration. Mm. Yes, we're professionals and we know, you know, what's going on, but we're parents in that time. We're not in our professional role. I tell everybody, you know, when it comes to my daughter, I'm not acting as a therapist. I'm acting as a mother. So forget that I am a therapist. So, you know, they're coming in here and they don't look like us. You know, they're, they're not black. Nope. So they're not taking our culture into consideration. And that is what was the frustrating part for me to have them try to, you know, implement interventions that just weren't, was not going to work because culturally, it just wasn't going to work. Didn't make sense. You know? And that just is what frustrated me the, the most. And, you know, when she was diagnosed, I had already come to, to terms with it because I had already knew. My issue was she's a black little girl. Now she's a black autistic little girl. And what does that mean for right. her? Right. Adding another label onto being a black girl. So right. that was my concern, you know, when we officially got the diagnosis. And, and so talk me through that. So that's the concern. And where did it take you? Where did it go? What did it do to you? Um, is that something you still worry about regularly? It, you know, her carrying all these labels now? Um, I, I think um, it worries me, especially in, in the times of the society that we're in now with her being, you know, black and autistic. That's going to be a concern I'm always going to have until the day I die for her because, um, you know, she may not respond how others are going to want her to respond in this society. You know, she, you know, if people see her, they're not going to automatically know she is autistic because she's been getting intervention since she was 18 months. Okay. Mm -hmm. She's able to use her coping skills to navigate in, you know, in, in the world, but there are still some things that she is behind in. So my concern is that if she's with an officer and she doesn't respond quickly enough, what does that, what happens next? Wow. Mm -hmm. 
So, you okay. know, I think that is a concern for most all the um, black, uh, um, black parents who have a autistic child. That's our main concern always is, you know, is our child going to get shot? Basically. Okay. Which is, which is really, so that could, that conversation, you know, that exists period, whether you're special needs or not, this just takes it to another level. Yes. And my thing is, you know, in, in your experience, what have you taken away from it and saying, you know what, they don't understand us on a cultural level and taking care of the needs of our artistic child. If we have our listeners that are listening right now and just got this diagnosis about their child, what advice would you tell them that as a black person, what do I do with the information that they're giving me that is not culturally aligned? How could you help them? Well, I have created um, Autism in Black. That is my company. And it's, it's specifically for Black parents who have a child who is autistic. And it's also for professionals who work with Black families okay. um, who have a, a child with a disability to have them be more culturally competent. But it's always going to be about you being the advocate for your child because that is now you know, another role that you have. Because a lot of times our children with special needs can't speak for themselves. So until they're able to do that, we have to do that. So they have to be able to take lead and have, I've, I've fired professionals. Um, I've had conversations, you know, I'll be quick to fire somebody. <laughs> like, you know, That's all right. Very, very quick. Very quick. That is okay. Very, no, I'll call him. I'll be like, this, this is not going to work out. It's, I can't do it. And he'll be like, do what you got to do, you know, but I will, if I've had a conversation with you about, you know, what needs to change and how culturally this is not adding up and what you can do to align yourself and you don't take, you know, that conversation to heart, then you have to go. You know, I tell parents all the time, you are the captain of the ship, the captain of the team, and they're your team members. And if they're not willing to be team members, get you another team member. But you know what I hear in this whole process? I know that we're talking about the whole experience, but in the love story, I hear love. Mm -hmm. I hear trust. I hear that Barry trusts you in yeah, your decision. Trust, the trusting is yes, huge. Yes, you know, do what you got to do. That's so empowering. Mm -hmm. Like you guys could have been like in the Creole, they say do by do. Yeah. So you, mm -hmm. how would I translate that? Yeah, I mean, do I mean, either back to back or chest to chest, just yes, fighting. Yeah, you know, you could have been fighting, you could have been arguing about it, but he, it really took him to say, you know what, I trust you as my wife and the mother of my kids, that you got our best interest in this area. It's not my, it's not my expertise, mm -hmm. although I have a medical degree, but I'm going to trust you to handle what you know best and what you specialize in, and I just love that. Yeah, that's big. That's that's commendable. It is. And I, I will note we do have um three year old twins as well. And Ooh. You know, <laughs> adding them in the picture was a definite another um I wouldn't say struggle, but adjustment. Oh, of course. And I I think honestly, especially because they're at least I mean, the expert, expert will tell you, um, I, I don't think they have any autistic um um <laughs> traits. So <laughs> so now uh, it's like I'm going through parenthood twice. Mm -hmm. So the first time I went through parenthood with an autistic child, and now I'm going through parenthood with children who aren't autistic. And I'm like, like for example, my daughter, uh, when she was growing up, uh, she's still growing up, um, <laughs> she didn't talk much, right? She Talking was not her thing. It was more, uh, you know, 
she made gesture she made so it wasn't we had to bring the talking out of her mm-hmm. whereas now i have twins who talk so much that <laughs> that i forget like i forget i gotta talk to them <laughs> because my, my oldest daughter my malia you know we could we can go you know day we can go we just, just hours we're just not speaking to each other and just kind of doing our thing mm-hmm. moving around each other and we're still kind of communicating her way mm-hmm. whereas now I go to change my daughter and she's talking a mile a minute. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, all right. <laughs> Quiet, please, please. So how old is Malia now? Six. Malia's six and she's got three-year-old twin siblings. Mm-hmm. How does she do with them? She is an excellent big sister. We were, oh, I was good. concerned when having, um, when I was pregnant with the twins because it wasn't quite real for her. Like she couldn't understand because they weren't, there there mm-hmm. right right um, so i have concerns about i i didn't even want to have any more children um it was barry who you know kind of like yeah she's not gonna be our only sibling type mm. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like i want three kids i said well you better hope god blesses me with twins and hey hey you know, so we, I had major concerns of how she was going to interact. Um, but once they got here, she got over the initial, uh, these kids are staying here type of deal. Um, she has been, I mean, she is more, I call her mother. Little, yeah, mm-hmm. little mother. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. she's helping. She's like, no, help do this way, this way, or, you know. So she is amazing. And they look up to her and they always involve her. And um, our twin son is very protective of her very protective wow it's so funny i remember when uh because we brought the twins home at separate times Mm -hmm. and so we bring the first twin home and you know she's she's getting adjusted to this like little kid who like like what's this baby doing here like so she's getting adjusted and then when we bring who was it brooklyn we brought brooklyn home they were in the nicu they were born two months early Okay. Brooklyn got out first. So then we brought Davis home and then we, we put them side by side. So she's come she comes from school and then she looks and she's like there's, there's, more. there's there's two of them here. What's <laughs> what's happening? What's you're like, yeah, no, they're here to stay. Yeah. Uh but no, she absolutely loves them. Uh they love her and, and again I think I was more I was more selfish, right? Because I was like I said, you know what, I need to make sure you know, my daughter, because again, I'm, that's that future speaking me. I'm like, I don't know what my daughter's going to be like when she, when she grows up, quote unquote. I want to make sure she has some people around her, right? So we got to get her some siblings just for that fact, right? Just so that when I go, like she has some siblings who are right there, ready to protect if they need to protect her. She's not alone. She's not mm-hmm. alone. Yeah, you know, as you mentioned that earlier in the conversation, it sounded to me like you had some dreams and goals for your daughter that you perhaps were in the process of grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, but what seems to have happened along the way is that they just kind of shifted, you know, mm-hmm. they adjusted, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. Um, I, I, I definitely agree because it's, you know, you, first and foremost, you just want your, your child to be more successful than you. Mm-hmm. And, well, don't, now don't you're put like, that pressure. Right. Don't listen. Don't put that pressure on them kids because <laughs> there ain't really nowhere to go after you, Doctor Barry. Hey, hey, Maria, I'll tell you, no lie. She wanted to name um, Davis our son like Barry Jr. And I was like, don't put that pressure on him. Oh, yeah, Jameson is call. like that too. Good call, man. Uh-huh. Kids got enough struggles waiting for them. <laughs> 
I said, don't put that pressure on him. Just let him. Just let him be his own person. He can do what he wants. I mean, we don't do that to him. Please. That listen. I said, I said, let him. Let him go eat dirt. Let him go. <laughs> you know ride a bicycle just just be happy yeah yeah and i will wow. say i really rolled my eyes very hard at that i was like you really need to get off your high horse <laughs> not that special <laughs> and i understand marie because we just see them as yeah I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sir stop it <laughs> but he was adamant about that so uh-huh. he did not get the Barry jr right and being in South Florida and having a child that um, is autistic and then now you have twins, what does support look like for you all um, and date nights and getting out? Because I think it's very important because sometimes if you have an ill child or special something, needs. a special needs, sometimes you kind of neglect the love that you all have we hear from couples so Mm -hmm. what would you recommend to a couple that's listening now to make sure that this is being you know fertilized and you know nurtured nurtured in a positive way i think uh we definitely have the benefit um because i'm from south florida Mm -hmm. um my mom is like literally down the street uh from our house yeah um y'all now, really now, bffs because my mom is i mean jay's <laughs> is literally mom is literally down the street yeah right. literally she's less than five yeah less than five minutes <laughs> away um and so we we've always had that escape hatch mm-hmm. uh so to speak mm-hmm. uh to be able to kind of you know slip out the back door mm-hmm. uh especially with especially with the twins our guys and uh, but i think you definitely have to be very intentional mm-hmm. uh with it and this is just, you know, me as the medicine side um, where I can, I can be very busy and, you know, can, can, if I wanted to, I could have it consumed and where I just medicine, kids go to sleep, medicine, kids go to sleep. Yeah. So you almost have to like, we have to kind of schedule things like, like not kind of, we literally mm-hmm. have to put in it our, in, in, the in the calendar. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, oh, we have our <laughs> calendar seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have yep. everything in there and labeled. Um, I will say he's more intentional about us actually not including the kids because I always want to include our kids in everything. Wow. <laughs> he's like, you can leave these kids. Like he will act, make his mom come over and not tell me. And he's like, we're, we're going. Uh-huh. And I'm like, no, uh-huh. what, my, you know, we got to bring them. He's like, the kids are fine. You know, they're fine. So he's more intentional about us getting outside of the home away from the kids. And I'm more intentional about making date night inside the home while they're sleeping. You know, so we both. You know, what? Have- <laughs> <laughs> what? But thank God you have Barry to, to balance y'all out. Because in, in the end, Barry needs you too. And he needs mm-hmm. to, you know, have all the things of why he married you. Mm-hmm. And so it's always crucial that you spend yeah. some time away from the house. Y'all yeah. was together before them kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I will say we're good partners. We definitely play off of each other's strengths. And weaknesses, mm-hmm. and I think that's why we're able to to balance, you know, our, our marriage. Like we are very joking. We we play the dozens all the time. Like people will look mm-hmm. at us and be like, "Something's wrong with you guys. Yeah. What's wrong with your marriage?" <laughs> but we just like to have fun. We're very very, you know, we we don't take ourselves too serious. For for people who do not know what the dozens are, enli- <laughs> enlighten us, please. Yeah. So you know, when you're you know growing up, when you're you know you're you're essentially just making fun. 
uh, of each other. Uh, you know, and you know, nose holds bar. Mm-hmm. Everything goes. Everything goes. Like we we crack all, we crack jokes left and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cracking jokes on family, mm-hmm. on ourselves. Because uh, we have to. It has to lighten the load because yeah. it, especially with because we're, we're we're what we're how how old are we? I'm, 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 I'm 34. I'm 34. You're 30, not 35. I'm 35. See, I'm getting, I'm getting old, right? I'm getting old. So I'm 35 years old, and you know, it's and my my regular job is stressful enough. Yeah, right. Like, you know, I, I work in a hospital where I can say good morning to a person and have to pronounce them that afternoon, right? Like that's literally what I can wake up to. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to come home and still be serious. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I can't do it. I hear you, man. And and, and, I, and I I swear God is funny because he put he definitely put me in a profession that like he knows I shouldn't be in a, a profession where I got to be serious one hundred percent of the time because he know that's just not me. Mm-hmm. But I do know how to turn it on, so I do know how to keep it serious one hundred. And when it's time for jokes, we joking from the second I get out the the building. Good, good, good for you guys. And it's always great to have a, a safe haven to come home to. From the beginning, she has provided you that, and that's the power of of being a wife and knowing um, your position. Like he can come home and you could make it hell. Mm-hmm. or just by your attitude or he can come he can come home and you make it a place where he's like yes i need i need to get there and i need to get there fast mm-hmm. good good listen guys the time has just run away with us mm-hmm. before, before, <laughs> before we let you go um we're we want you to fill in the blank we're gonna ask you one question right one fill in the blank question uh and you fill it in Marriage is Ooh, an adventure. I, I would, yeah, um, yeah, definitely, definitely an adventure. A journey, I'd say, a journey. Nice, very similar. They're, they're mm-hmm. synonymous of each other. Long, long as it's a, it's a, and you know, I think especially for folks who are starting, because we're we're ten years ten in, years now, ten, married, ten years married. Um, and understand that you know the 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 hills, the valleys, the bumps. Uh, the the bumps are are, are common. Uh, they, they're gonna happen, right? Especially regardless of how long your honeymoon is, right? Mm-hmm. Our honeymoon was a pretty long time, right? But when the the bumps happen, when the hills happen, uh, we were able to kind of get over it together and then be able to look back and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and to know that it's work. I mean, we have a a lot against our marriage. We have a child with special needs, and then we have twins you know and those increase the odds for divorce so knowing that we have to communicate with each other and be intentional with each other has just made our marriage stronger yeah you definitely you guys don't seem to take your marriage for granted mm. no, no no definitely not especially again i'm uh, you know and i'm be honest you know i'm as a physician and i see my colleagues and, and i see the ones who don't really have that good of a balance yeah mm-hmm. um i see the ones who go through divorce and uh, I see the ones who go very, very high, and it's 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 evident, right? Because if you you spend your time at work all day, and then you come home and you don't spend time with family, you know someone's gonna get neglected, right? You mm-hmm. sir. and uh, you know just put put all your onus and all your eggs into that one basket, which is your profession, mm-hmm. and then not put your eggs into the regular basket. That's where the problems arise. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So many good nuggets. Wow, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. <laughs> For people who are listening and would like to learn more about your practice, Barry, uh, Maria, your uh, your business, how do we get in touch with you? 
I am at Autism in Black on um, Instagram. And then my website is www.autisminblack.org. And I provide um, therapy and coaching for Black parents who have a autistic child and training to professionals on being more culturally competent when it comes to the Black special needs community. Okay. okay. And for myself, I like to say I'm the husband of the CEO of <laughs> Autism in Black, right? Hopefully, first of all, I'm, I, I practice in the hospital, so hopefully you never have to see me, right? That's always my goal that I never have to see any of my patients because that means you're in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, from a social media standpoint, I'm at Dr. Barry Pierre, uh, all one word. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I have a, I have a podcast, a weekly podcast as well, uh, Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. Uh, it's a, a podcast for patient advocacy, patient empowerment, education. Um, you know, we come out weekly, so Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, if you want to catch me there as well. Okay. Yeah, you know what? We'll link to the podcast and the website and mm-hmm. all of the social media handles. Um, and I'm sure we're... I, you know, I say it about everybody we talk to, but I feel like y'all for sure, we're going to link up. <laughs> yes. It's actually in our state, in our city. Yeah. We yeah. got to link up. <laughs> yeah, we got to for a date night. That's a, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, that was Barry, Dr. Barry, and his lovely wife, Maria. They are um, they are a delightful couple. They are a fun couple. They're down to earth. But most importantly, they know what they want, and especially when it comes to their kids. Right, babe? Yes. Now, Maria is not just your normal wife like she she said i'm not only gonna be a a wife an amazing wife i'm gonna be a badass mom mm-hmm. just to know that she went into that doctor's office and she said i know what is wrong with my child and i need you as this doctor to give me that diagnosis so that i can make sure i have the proper services put in place for my baby go maria yeah what what i like about their story was how uh, Barry, you know, knowing he knew some stuff, like he said, he's a doctor too, but it didn't bother him one bit to back his wife up. Mm. They showed up as a team when it came to providing for their daughter. It wasn't about who's going to be right or wrong or who's going to win. It wasn't about them at that time, Mm -hmm. which is important. um, If I say nothing else, you know, when children, within a marriage, within a family, have special needs, Mm -hmm. that is particularly taxing on the marriage. Not many couples survive that. These two have and not only have they survived it, but they continue to thrive. And I think because they balance each other out. There's nothing about there's nothing better than having balance in your relationship where Barry is like, no, boo boo, we need to be out the house. And Maria's like, you know what? I'm there to set up the the intimacy, the the fun time in the house. So they balance each other out. And I love that. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the theme here that we continue to um, highlight is 
they allow each other to operate in their strengths. Yes. It was written all over this interview. Yeah. I want to encourage you with this episode. If you know someone that has a child with special needs, typically they are not going to cry out for help. Just send them the podcast. Allow them to listen to it as, you know what? Me and my husband can get on the same page and we can um, have a good time. And we don't always have to be surrounded by the issues um, that may come up and having a child that has special needs. And so please share that. Don't be stingy. Share the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to the Couples Council. I'm Dr. Jameson Mercier, the love mender. I'm Herdeen Mercier, the wife mentor, reminding you to follow us on our social media platforms at the wife mentor and Dr. Jameson Mercier. Yes, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram. You'll find us on Facebook, um, even YouTube at Mercier Wellness uh, and Consulting. We've not talked about that much, but we're there. Mm-hmm. We're there. Um, thank you all for sharing. Um, the downloads continue to grow. Uh, we're not bragging. We're just thanking you. Because we can't do it without you. And thank you to everyone who has taken the time to visit our website, MercierWellness.com. On MercierWellness.com, you'll find everything you need, including the links to uh, schedule consultation. You can also send us an email. One last note, uh, the Midwest of the country, either someone's driving around listening to our (laughs) podcast or they've got some friends that they've just exploded. They just discovered the couples council. So whoever you guys are, thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you for discovering us. Thank you for listening. uh, And thank you for sharing. Now don't just stop there, but also leave a comment and leave a review and subscribe. Well, that's our show folks. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to having you next time on the next episode of the Couples Council. Bye now. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our mom and dad. If you like them as much as we do, then click subscribe and leave a comment. But now they have to go because it's family time. So go practice what you heard, and we'll catch you on the next episode.